Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you may be listening to me. This is the Back Row Bengals Sports Podcast. I am your host, Josh Miller. It is August 31st, and the Bengals have officially cut down their roster to 53 players. I'm about to tell you who got cut and why. Uh, the big roster cuts from today, Mike Daniels, Travion Williams, Thaddeus Moss, Michael Jordan, Trent Taylor, and a number of others. Uh, those are the probably, I would say, the most important ones. Mike Daniels. Definitely one that shocked a good amount of Bengals Twitter and definitely shocked me as well. I thought he was going to be somebody that stuck. Uh, sadly, he did not. Uh, he can still, though, re-sign with the team, uh, probably at a better contract or a lesser, you know, that owes him less money. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully he sticks with the team. Hopefully he sticks around. Uh, another one that uh, surprised a lot of people, but honestly I wasn't that surprised, was Travion Williams, uh, the running back. A lot of people were very high on him. A lot of people really liked him. But honestly, I saw a lot more out of Chris Evans and a lot more out of uh, our other running backs that we I really didn't need see a need for him to take up a roster spot. Uh, you hate to see him go, but, um, I mean, honestly, I can see it. Uh, another one, Thaddeus Moss. I mean, it would have been fun to have Randy Moss in the jungle, but if Thaddeus Moss isn't getting done on the field, I don't want him taking a roster spot. We have a pretty stacked uh, tight end room, and honestly, there was just going to be no room from him for him if he wasn't performing um, to the level that I guess they saw out of Mitchell Wilcox, and um, he wasn't going to take over Drew Sample's spot or C.J. Uzama. A lot of us really wanted uh, Thaddeus Moss to come in and be that you know de facto Joe Burrow uh, you know target that he always knew in college and that he could always throw to. But um, again, a lot of these guys can come back and. Um, know resign with the team at a lesser deal i don't see thaddeus moss coming back i can see mike daniels coming back um another big one that honestly i it was it's a little long overdue maybe should have done it earlier but uh michael jordan got cut as well this is if you remember michael jordan was the lineman that let uh the defensive uh player through that injured joe burrow when we were playing the washington football team and honestly good riddance uh, and not be just because of that one play. You know, I understand football is a lot of luck and freak accidents, and that was a freak accident. I get it. But Michael Jordan has been nothing but absolutely terrible. I was about to say a curse word, but I don't really want to do that right now. Not until the year starts, at least. Um, but, yeah, he, he was really he, – he was tough to watch. He was a liability on the offensive line, and he said that he – you know, he took it personally, and, and he and he was like, I'm not going to say anything, and I'm just going to keep working. It's like, buddy, listen, you're just not good enough to play in the NFL. You're just not. I had no tr- I had no trust in him. I still have no trust in him. And now I guess it shows that the Bengals organization didn't have any trust in him either. So that's why he's not here anymore. So Michael Jordan's a, a one that, you know, kind of needed to go. Honestly, I group him in the level of Bobby Hart. And honestly, I think Bobby Hart was a better lineman than Michael Jordan was. I think Michael Jordan wasted his talents. I think he wasted his size. And I think that's when the Bengals were recruiting and they were seeing who they should be scouting or, or who they should be drafting and scouting. Um, they just went off of his size and didn't go off of his playing ability. So now that is two offensive linemen from Ohio State that did not work. Uh, Billy Price was also traded uh, to the Giants for defensive lineman B.J. Hill. I've heard nothing but good things about B.J. Hill. And it's not like Billy Price was going to start anyway. So let's get another on the interior line. Um, I think that was another big reason why Mike Daniels was cut today. Um, I think a lot of it does have to do with that deal. 
So, uh, again, I, you know, wish him the best of luck, but honestly, he could not be on this line anymore. He just couldn't. Uh, another big one was Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor made a couple of really good plays in the preseason. He looked pretty good in uh, off-season training and uh, minicamp. But at the end of the day, I think, personally, I think Trent Irwin is a better receiver. And I think also Stanley Morgan is a better receiver. And I think those two are going to be fighting for the sixth spot in our receiving uh, room. I honestly think Trent Irwin is our best sixth receiver, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't. But I think Trent Irwin can make a lot of plays. I think he's not just a one-hit wonder or he's had a couple flashy catches. I think he can actually get on the field. And, you know, sometimes when uh, our players need a, need a blow, I think you can throw the ball to him and, you know, feel pretty comfortable that he can at least make a catch, especially if it's, you know, a slant or something he's good at, something in the slot, something that he can, you know, haul in and, and hold it hold down. During the game uh, versus the Dolphins, he had that one really, really nice catch, and he got absolutely drilled, but held on to the football and held it all the way through the catch. And that is something that you really want to see uh, from, a from a sixth round receiver. You don't expect them to make these gigantic plays. You don't expect them to be all over the field and be running all over the place and uh, making moves and scoring on 80-yard bombs. But getting a you know 15- to 20-yard gain while getting absolutely drilled and holding on to the football is pretty damn good, so we'll take it. Uh, so Trent Irwin stays. Trent Taylor goes. Uh, I liked Trent Taylor, but there's just no room. It just is what it is. Uh, that's the tough part of um, you know football. It's just there's only 53 guys to a roster. That's about it. And, you know, he, could, he couldn't fit. He couldn't fit. It's just he wasn't good enough to uh, stick with the group. And but then, uh, so let's keep moving on. A lot of people were liking Jacquez Patrick. He also was cut. Again, I think a running back room is just too stacked, honestly. I, 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 I didn't think he was good enough to stick. And, uh, I mean, obviously he's not. So we move on. And now, uh, now we got our 53-man roster. There's a couple more that were cut. Um, but not as much that made that big of an impact. Um, so those are the ones that were uh, cut, and now we're going to move on to our 53-man roster, the ones that made it. Uh, Joseph Osai and Adanaji are on IR, which means basically they are out for the year. I was hoping Osai would maybe be, maybe come back around week 12, week 13, but it looks like he's just gone for the year. That is a massive blow to the pass rush. I think that also helped. Not helped, but I think it also uh, was an incentive to go out and go trade for a D-lineman, and I think that's where that Billy Price trade came from. And I believe the reason that they're opening the offensive lineman room up is that they're going to make a trade or they're going to make a pretty big pickup off of the waiver. Uh, there's a lot of good offensive line talent out there. I know one off the top of my head that was getting a lot of buzz today was Shaq Calhoun. Uh, he just got cut by, I believe, the Cardinals. I could be wrong. Uh, but I know he's a he's a really good prospect, and he's a, he's a talent that can come in and give us some snaps, and especially fill in that Akimadenji role, and he could maybe even find his way on the starting uh, offensive line. Uh, one thing though about that Billy Price trade that I'm not so excited about or not so sure about is who's gonna back up center, and that's my dog barking in the back. Sorry about that, and I don't know who's gonna back up center. But I'm sure that it will be figured out. Um, they might slide somebody down to center. 
or they might go out and go get a center and that and then slide Trey Hopkins over to one of the guard spots. Um, so it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be uh, really interesting to see because I, I honestly think the Bengals are poised to make some moves and to continue to grow and make their team better. Uh, I think that's what they did today. They dropped off some pieces that uh, weren't going to give them much help. I understand Michael Jordan was looking like he was going to be a starter on the offensive line. Uh, he was getting starter reps, but at the end of the day, I I genuinely don't think that he was going to be a day one starter. And I said it before. I'll go back and pull up my tweet if you want to call me a liar. I know for sure. I said Michael Jordan could not be the Bengals starting guard coming this or coming week one. And I'm right. So here we are. So now Michael Jordan's gone. Uh, they're opening this offensive line room up. And don't take it as like they're yet again not addressing the offensive line. I Again, I think they're going to make some moves and they're going to add to their offensive line. But today was an absolutely huge day for the Bengals and for the entire NFL as a whole. Uh, one big news that I didn't see coming was Cam Newton getting let go by the Patriots. I think they're just all in on Mac Jones and they see Cam as an odd fit and he always was an odd fit. I think they wanted to try that for a year. They wanted to see if they could do maybe a running gun type of offense. Something that Cam is really good at and can master and something that he's ran over his years at Auburn and then into Carolina. But it just never ended up working out. And uh, it looks like they're going all in on Mac Jones and looks like they're going to recreate what Belichick knows best. And and that's the type of offense that uh, made Brady so successful and won them, you know, six rings. So it works. Um, Let's actually let's step away from today. Let's go back to Sunday and let's go back to the game versus the Dolphins. Bengals drop an absolute heartbreaker at the very end of the Dolphins, 26 to 29. That. If you saw the ending of the game, that is the most brutal way to lose a game. Brutal way. And I'm and trust me, I am not talking about Zach Taylor's decision to not go for it or to not go for the field goal and we're going to talk about that. And but god, how do you how does that even happen? I understand there I understand it's fourth stringers out there and I understand that and I get it, but oh my god, how does that happen? It was just almost too perfect to end the preseason. Wasn't it? Like, wasn't it honestly just too perfect? Like, oh, like, I even knew it. I even knew it. It was 4th and 12. 4th and 12. And they just shot to the end zone. And as soon as he threw that ball, I was like, and there it is. There, There's the game. They're going to score here. And I'm going to sit down. And this sucks. This sucks, you know. But as bad as that ending was, let's talk about some good things. Uh, because... Honestly, there were a lot of really good things that came out of Sunday. Number one, the offensive line continues to show promise. They continue to show growth. It looks number one, they've allowed one sack all preseason, which is great. The offense, the starting offensive line has allowed zero, which I know it's you know very limited snaps, but you know that's still some. That's growth. That's major growth. Not only do you see it like in the PFF grades and you see it in the numbers, you see it on the field. The pocket looks just so much cleaner. It looks so much more cleared out. The running lanes look like they're actually there. Jackson Carmen had a couple really good blocks on Sunday. Uh, and then just they, they, they really looked like they handled the Dolphins defensive line very well. And I think that's just a major, major improvement. I think the pocket's going to be much better than a lot of people think. And, you know, 
let the national media keep saying that this offensive line has not been fixed. Because I'll tell you this right now, it came out today, Panay Sewell was one of the lowest-graded linemen in the league, behind Jackson Carmen, behind, behind all of our offensive linemen. Panay Sewell was the worst. He has been struggling. All right. So, again, it's preseason. doesn't really mean anything. But I'm just saying this offensive line has been doing very well, and we did not draft Panay Sewell. Just saying. We did fix it. We did very well this offseason with our offensive line. Second, gigantically huge, 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 huge. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. Another gigantically massive great thing that happened on Sunday. The entire city of Cincinnati, Ohio, realized that we have a franchise kicker in Evan McPherson. That dude drilled a 57-yarder at the end of the half in a in an NFL, and I know it's a preseason game, but an NFL game nonetheless, and drilled it like it was a PAT, 57 yards. If it was in a regular season game, it would have tied the Bengals' longest field goal made ever in franchise history. This dude will win us football games. The just is going to be so important. And if you don't want to take my word for it, I'm just going to give you some numbers. We lost nine games by one possession last year, one possession. If we take two or three of those drives where we ended up past the 40 or past the 30, instead of turning it into a punt, we're turning it into three points. And that is going to flip a lot of those games. We are in the AFC North. I have seen enough AFC North games that it gets won in the kicking battle and in the trenches. Now that we have one of the greatest kickers that I think is going to be in the league, I think Evan McPherson is going to be like prime Justin Tucker and can just drill anything. And that, those are the guys who have killed us. It has been Justin Tucker. It's been Mason Crosby. The Browns have not had a kicker. And I think, honestly, the Browns not having a franchise kicker is one of the things that's holding them back as a franchise. I think this is something that is going to allow us to win a lot of games in the AFC North. They're going to, they're going to be tight games, cold-weather games, where no team can even move the ball, and we need three points to win the game. And Evan McPherson is going to do it. Uh, I Trust me, I've... You and I have both watched enough AFC North football to know this. And I got to tell you, it feels really good. And I really do think this is going to help the Bengals win a lot of games. He's going to be the reason that the Bengals win a lot of games this year. And hopefully for the next 10 years. Uh, I hope he kind of has a contract like Joe Burrow and just sticks with him. I hope the, I hope he stays uh, for a very, very long time. All right, let's go to the third uh, good thing that I have written down here. The defense did make some solid plays, and they look good. I like this makeup of this defense. It looks like they have made a lot of adjustments. It looks like Luana Romo has made a lot of adjustments to his coaching style. I think that this defense is makeup, and they're the way that you know they run. Obviously, that they changed a lot of personnel, but it looks like it's fitting the personnel finally. It looks like this personnel actually has a chance to get in there and make some stops. I mean, Khalid Kareem, uh, that first sack on the first series, my God, he made the Miami tackle look like an absolute doofus out on the field. Absolute doofus. And, uh, you know, Khalid Kareem, I, I still think that he's going to be a great addition to this team. I really didn't think Lou Anarumo was going to be the answer to – are who's going to be the defensive coordinator that's going to lead us to a Super Bowl. 
but obviously now let's just start with you know a winning record or you know maybe six wins that'd be nice. Um, but uh, I I didn't really have any trust in Luan Arumo. He wasn't good at UC, and then his first two years, I mean, you saw it. Uh, but they decided to stick with him. His defense, the defense looked really good in the past three preseason games. It looked really good. So I got to give it to him. I mean, the defense doesn't look that good without him there, without his scheme, and without his coaching. So I got to give it to him. It looks like the players are bought in. It looks like the players want to be there. They like where they're at. And so that and that's a great thing. And hopefully we can continue this into the, into the season because we're really going to need the defense this year to, you know, at least, at the very, very least, be middle of the pack. If we can be middle of the pack, with this style of offense and this offense, we can really we can we can make some noise. Now, if we're a top ten defense, I can see this team making a playoff. But that's saying quite a bit. That's saying a lot. So let's start out with maybe a winning record. Maybe how about we just start out with week one against the Minnesota Vikings, which we will preview next week because uh, we have two weeks until uh, that game. So we're gonna preview that next week. Um, let's get into. I wrote only wrote down like two really bad things, not really bad things, but two bad things that we have to address. Um, I'll get to the obvious one uh, later. Oh, I wrote three down. Never mind. So uh, the first one is the late game defensive decisions. Um, I I remember back when the 2015 Bengals game versus the Steelers in the wild card where they drove right down the field. One of the biggest problems during that drive. Now, I, I want you to throw out the penalty. I want you to throw all the drama out of it. But if you just want to look at play calling, the Bengals played the softest coverage I've ever seen. And that was a Paul Gunther staple to, at the very end of the game, play as soft as you possibly can in soft coverage. That is not going to fly anymore because these players just get dink They can dink it and dunk it, or they can throw it into these windows where this zone is an op- or the zone is open. And these athletes can make plays. Um, I felt that I saw a little bit of that at the end of the game when Miami threw that Hail Mary. Now, I understand that's a ridiculous Hail Mary. Who's who's going to think that that's going to actually connect? But it did. And uh, But I saw some soft coverage on the way down. And we, we should have done what we did against the Steelers, which was press up. Now, again, these are fourth stringers. There's a lot going on. This is the last preseason game. I shouldn't be as upset at this as I should be, or as I am. But at the end of the day, I can't stand that soft coverage when there's less than two minutes left. Actually, no, I take that back. There was like four minutes left. So why are you even playing soft coverage in the first place? Why You, you shouldn't even be playing soft coverage. But again, preseason game, doesn't really matter. Um... The decision at the very end of the game for Zach Taylor not to kick a field goal or to kick a field goal to tie it, who cares? Honestly, who cares? We You need to – I've seen some ridiculous, ridiculous takes about, oh, this is not a good mentality that Zach Taylor should have. Like, ah, shut up. Who cares? It's a preseason game. Should he have let Austin Cyber kick it? Maybe. Did he, did he go for the win and he missed it? Sure. He just – he went for the win and missed it. All right. So what? It's over. Like, the, the game's over. It doesn't mean anything. Now, obviously, if he did that in the regular season, we would be having a huge fit here. Um, but it didn't happen, so we don't need it. Now, let's get to the last part of the major three problems that I saw 
and it's it's very blatantly obvious it's Jamar Chase's drops. He's had five targets over this regular season. He had four drops. He had a bubble screen from Joe Burrow that literally laid so softly into his loving, warm hand, and he dropped it. And you know what? That's as easy as pass as he's going to get in the entire league. Do I – I've seen that, like, maybe it's because he hasn't been hit in a while and he's hearing footsteps. That could 100% be it. He hasn't played a full season. I can totally see that. Do I think that's what it is? No. I think he's just he just has a case of the dropsies. Uh, I was listening to Mo Egger a little bit earlier. A lot of a lot of really really good receivers have had drops earlier in their rookie career, and that's okay. Terrell Owens is one. Randy Moss is another. They've just had drops. It is what it is. Um, but he'll learn, and I I have no doubt that he'll learn. And but he does need to learn fast. Uh, we're gonna need to be able to trust him in big game situations. We're gonna be able. We're gonna need to be able to trust him on third, fourth down when the game's on the line and we need a first down. I think personally, I will say this. I guess is a hot take because uh, a lot of people think Jamar Chase is wide receiver one. Personally, I think T. Higgins is the best receiver in the room. I think he is just so much physically bigger, stronger, and, and I think he is his hand or his hand eye coordination. And his ability to catch the football is unmatched. Uh, I think he's an absolute freak athlete. He's going to make a lot of big plays for us. I think T. Higgins is wide receiver one. Uh, and then and then Jamar Chase. But then Tyler Boyd is obviously, he's a little bit of an exception. The reason that he kind of takes the third receiver spot is because he's a slot. He's the slot receiver. He's not going to do some big, he's not a big, long, giant play, explosive play guy. He's that you know, reliable guy that you need, that you absolutely need. So I guess he's kind of in that third spot. Uh, and then fourth right outside is Auden Tate. I, I think personally they need to use Auden Tate a lot more. I think I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. They need to keep using Auden Tate and keep getting him out on the field. One more good thing. My God, is Chris Evans just phenomenal? I really, I really like Chris Evans. And I think the fans do too. And I think a lot of you have seen his ability to make plays and his – talent and his raw like his ability to run and he's just he's just ground and pound when he needs to be but when you can get him outside he is deadly in the passing game so I can't wait to see him more and more I mean that I'll get I'll give it to Brandon Allen that was a beautiful pass I don't I think Brandon Allen does not get get enough credit I think he's a pretty good backup quarterback I think when Joe I mean Joe Burrow went down last year I think he played pretty well he's not going to play a Joe Burrow standard obviously but nobody is um, but yeah, so Chris Evans was another one that I forgot to write down. Uh, he had a really great game. Uh, I got to say the standing ovation from, uh, for Joe Burrow from the fans was obviously great. Uh, it was awesome to see. Seeing all you guys as a Stripe Squad member uh, was so awesome. And I was able to see so many of my friends back. And it looked like everybody had smiles on their faces. And it looked like a lot of people had fun. And they were able to see Joe Burrow back out on the field. They were able to see Trey Hopkins back on the field. Uh, which is also really, really good. And um, it, it looked like everybody was having fun. I lo- Personally, I love the entrance uh, to Tigers on like the pillars. I think that is actually dope. And I think during the year, it will be, it will be much better. Um, I think it was just like a preseason entrance. Like, you know, preseason entrances aren't very spectacular anyway. So I think it's going to be even cooler on game days, without a doubt. Uh, the rule of the jungle ceremony looks great and it's awesome. Uh, I think we need they, we need to make some minor adjustments to it. 
But I think personally, I think this is a really, really cool thing that could get the fans into it and we could get a great start to the year. Um, so, yeah, so those were my basic thoughts on the game. Um, as a it's just Stripe Squad member, I hope you guys liked having us around. We had a lot of fun. We were going around. We saw a lot of people that really got into it, got a lot of really good photos, really good videos. It was super fun to talk to everybody. The rule of the general ceremony was cool. Uh, the, if you guys get a chance to see that staff or scepter that the rule of the jungle has, it is freaking dope. You can beat somebody to death with that thing. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah. But anyway, so if we can find a way to get that scepter, that'd be really cool. Uh, JB, I think was the correct decision to, for the, uh, first preseason game. I think 100% was the first, uh, the correct decision. I'm excited to see who the next guy is going to be. I would love to see Joey Votto. I think Joey Votto would be so cool with the rule of the jungle. Uh, and then it goes back to, honestly, it goes back to um, if I compare it to what if college game day came to the UC's campus, which it never has, which is BS. Uh, it needs to. But now it's basically like the same thing. So like who from Cincinnati would, would be really cool. And I think Joey Votto would be dope for both of them. I think he'd be really cool for Rule of the Jungle, especially after the year that he's had this year. Uh, I think a lot of uh, fans from the Reds have really seen his growth and how much and has seen, you know, his resurgence and, and how great he's really hit, hit the home run ball this year and how big of a uh, contributor he's been to this year. All right, so it looks like that's going to do it for me. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We are still looking for sponsorships. Uh, would love to get a sponsor and would love to talk to more fans. I am doing this more and more. Uh, if you guys have questions or something to talk about on here, please DM me. And uh, if you want to maybe even come on the show, you can talk to me. We can work it out. Uh, please DM me. Please keep talking to me. I'll talk to you guys whenever I'm out. Uh, I, I put my face. I try to put my face out there as much as I possibly can. So when you guys see me out in public or when you see me like in Cincinnati or at the Bengals games, I want you guys to come up and talk to me. I want I want to hear your feedback from uh, the show. If you like it, what what could be different? What do you want to talk about? What would you like to come on? You know what I mean? Uh, I like it. I like it when you guys come up and talk to me. So please keep doing that. Uh, so next week we're going to do. Uh, I think it'll be the last week we're going to do one episode. I think from then on out we're going to do two episodes during the year, uh, doing uh, one recap and one preview. But obviously next week we're just going to do a preview. Don't know what day we're going to do it on, but uh, it'll either be Tuesday or Thursday. I appreciate all of you for uh, listening to me. And, hey, let's cheer on the Bearcats this Saturday. Huh? How about the Bearcats? Let's go get them. Go win the Battle of the Victory Bell. Football is finally back, Cincinnati. It's time to get excited. It's time to start talking about football all the time. It's time to wear red and black. It's time to wear orange and black. Please do not wear scarlet and gray. This has been the Back Row Bengals Sports Podcast. I am your host. Josh Miller. I'll see you guys soon. Very, very soon. Peace.